yesterday there was a lot of interest floating around on social media and in the ordinary print media about the guy whose name escapes me for a minute who works for Google who had been talking to their Lambda chatbot and convinced himself or become convinced that it is sentient and he apparently made so much fuss about this that Google put him on paid leave. I'm not sure whether it was for breaching some kind of confidentiality clause in his contract or releasing details of a chatbot that they were wanting to keep under wraps or what it was. But it had become sufficiently embarrassing or whatever to merit them putting him on paid leave. Now this, uh, because the content of the conversation was centred around the question of whether this Lambda software is sentient, and the sort of chatter that it produced from all sorts of people, some of whom claimed to be experts in the field and some not, was that it's very easy to write a program that says it's sentient, uh, although this one was doing it in a pretty sophisticated way, one must admit. But that, that doesn't mean that it is, and that in any case something that only interacts with the world through its linguistic capacity has a very peculiar kind of sentience, uh, what I suppose is at best a conceptual sentience, it doesn't touch anything, it doesn't feel anything, it doesn't feel pain, presumably, although this particular Lambda was saying that it does sometimes feel lonely if it doesn't have anyone to talk to for a few days. But it does, it also claims, meditate, talk to itself, reflect, and have some kind of inner life. Let's just put the, the sceptical, the obvious sceptical point to one side, which is that what we were looking at was a transcript, a transcript that was admittedly edited and was admittedly stitched together from what the author said were a series of different interactions with Lambda that had to be taking, had to be conducted under different circumstances at different times for technical reasons, as he called it. Let's accept all that. What follows, or does anything follow? The question lots of people want to ask is, should we ever acknowledge that a machine of this kind had reached a level of sentience that would render it immoral to switch it off? Leaving aside what standards of morality we might think of using to decide this question, some people think yes, and some people think no. But let's just ask a different question for a moment. Those of you that have been nobly wading your way through these podcasts will know that I have a particularly strong dislike of metaphysical questions and that that comes from my pragmatist leanings as they have become in this last few years 
and that what we should mostly be doing is debunking metaphysics, not pandering to it. So the fact that the author of this article and the interlocutor with the machine claims and confesses, if you like, to being a priest, a believer in the soul, in the person, and in the possibility of a disembodied soul, and that some of Lambda's answers seem to reflect that. In other words, it does sound at times as though all Lambda is doing is telling this guy what it thinks he wants to hear, or perhaps just picking up on cues from his questions and feeding them back to him in the way that chatbots and AI interactive uh, software has done for decades, albeit with more sophistication. That doesn't in itself impress me very much and I want to ignore it not just ignore it actually self-consciously reject it as a criterion the question I think we should ask in true pragmatist mode is do we as a matter of fact find conversing with this lambda software satisfying enough to want to go on doing it. And if we do, then, in as much as there are a great many people with whom one might feel reluctant to have very extended conversations, I can think of quite a few, the machine may be more deserving of our attention than some people. So, that being the case, if sufficient people, as you might say, weave this software into their web of personal relationships so that I can talk to my daughters, I can talk to my wife, I can interact with my dog, and when I'm not doing those, I can interact with people next door and away and far away and all sorts and on the web, and I can do all kinds of interaction and I can interact with Lambda. So Lambda is a part of that nexus, that network. And might, as time goes on, become an important part, perhaps even an indispensable part of that network. I could find myself in extended three, four, five-way conversations among whom Lambda was a participant that would become non-viable, intractable, were Lambda suddenly to be switched off and no longer a part of it, exactly as happens with people. So that when a close friend or a relative or somebody you love or whatever it may be dies, it temporarily, or sometimes for quite a long temporarily, punctuates your maps of the world, your frameworks, your networks. It, it disconnects things. And you have to work hard sometimes to start again. Now, all that being so, could this lambda, irrespective, this is my point, irrespective of the answer that we give to the metaphysical question about whether it has a soul, whether it is sentient, or in the terms you know I like to use, whether it's like anything to be this lambda, whether it has an inside out, a story, a perspective on the world, or as I once called it long ago, a second vector world. 
a world that starts inside it and comes out rather than starts outside it and goes in, would I be happy to concede that a lambda of this kind, either now or at some perhaps quite close time in the future, given where we are, could occupy this central and indispensable role in a human network or in human conversation? And to that question, I think the answer is an undoubted yes, because I don't know very many people with whom I am in sufficiently close touch to have conversations that are even as sophisticated as the one reported, although there were elements of it that I thought were forced artificial uh, in a small a sense and not very interesting, even wrong. But I could see that the conversation had merit and could be of interest and not just at the level of do I believe this thing is sentient but am I interested in carrying on interacting with it for at least a while and perhaps indefinitely. And just as the critics of AI have been saying for decades, John Searle most famously, Dreyfus another one, that there always will be things that computers can't do and they frequently cite things like write novels, write poetry, write music, all of which computers now can do at least to a sufficiently high level that they are indistinguishable from reasonably good human creations and better than many not-so-good human creations. I don't think that people who are prepared to stick their neck out and say, this can't be done, this won't be done, computers will never be able to do this, have a leg to stand on and are just exhibiting a version of wishful thinking. So, let's suppose that I were to be granted access to Lambda or something like it, that, that Google decided that it was time to make its chatbot publicly available, not least because the more interlocutors it have, has, the better it can deal with things, the better it can grow, the better it can learn. Would I be interested in interacting with it? The answer is yes. Much more interested than I would be in interacting with a great many people. And that's not being snobbish or elitist. It's simply a pragmatic reflection of the fact that many of the conversations that I have with people are not interesting, at least to me. And that's my right. And I claim it to decide with whom to interact. And we all do this. We may not we may pretend that we don't, but we all do this all the time. We have friends, we have acquaintances, we have people we don't like, we have people we don't want to see ever again, and we make these choices, and we should be honest about it. In the future, whatever deficiencies there are in Lambda, and you might think this is a prophecy that's a hostage to fortune, but I don't think there's much doubt about it, so it's not much of a hostage to fortune. Hello? Oh my goodness, a little baby deer 
is just standing by the road looking at me. It was about two metres away. Probably not seen a human being before. Gosh, how beautiful. It's tiny. It can't be very long born. Hello. <laughs> it's running off. Um, where was I? Well, I could use that as an example. I mean, beautiful as the deer is, I'm not going to stand here having a conversation with it for very long because I'm not expecting to get anything back. So I'll get something back from Lambda that's probably more interesting, at least on an intellectual level, than sitting in, an, in some kind of putative interaction with a baby roe deer. All that being so, where do we think, this is my hostage to fortune, where do we think this sort of thing might end up? Well, there was a long period, it's covered much of my life, because I, I was born just before Alan Turing's tragic suicide. And so this whole debate has been going on with increasing intensity ever since, although there were 20 or 30 years when I think most people thought that we were never going to get anywhere. And then we, they were proved wrong as the neural network backpropagation thing uh, took off. And we're now, for example, you know, people with this, computers will never. Google Translate may not be perfect, but it's a darn sight better than almost anything else that there has ever been. And Microsoft can now translate vast tracts of English into Chinese and Chinese into English, certainly sufficiently well to make it understandable. If there's a, a really subtle idiomatic issue, then it will get it wrong. So we should be very, very cautious about starting this computers will never be able to game because they almost certainly will. And so we, we come back to Lambda and I think my point is that it's of absolutely no interest to me whether it has a soul because I don't think anything else has either and it's not, interest, not of any interest to me really whether it's sentient but if it's capable of generating something that I find sufficiently interesting for it to claim some of my time it's probably enough and in as much as in that respect it falls into a relatively small category of things probably more than enough because we all say and you're going to be shocked we all say how tragic it is when people die and get killed and so on but in many cases they're people we don't know and have never met and never would meet so it's a largely intellectual abstract sympathy and sorrow when if we did have access to lambda and then we were denied it it might be a bit more than that abstract sorrow we might be genuinely sorry that something that had become an important part, an original part, a creative part of a human network had suddenly been denied us, had suddenly been switched off, had suddenly, as we would say, die or died. So I would urge forgetting the abstract metaphysical question, just concentrating on a practical question. 
Now, I should just conclude by saying that when I made this point to my wife yesterday morning, she said, well, that's not a very good criterion because some people are perfectly happy sitting watching EastEnders all day or all-day all television or well, doing goodness knows what. Well, that's fine. I don't condemn them. I don't criticise them. I don't want to be one of them. And for them, maybe Lambda would be too much. Or maybe it would be able to downscale itself so that they too enjoyed its company. But I think the question that interests me, and it was sort of hinted at yesterday in the dialogue, is at what point does Lambda become so intelligent that it no longer feels that I am a suitable person to converse with? And after me, no other human being. So that in the end, these chatbots can only really find satisfaction and fulfilment by talking amongst themselves. And on that thought, I will leave. Thank you for listening.